Welcome to the first of many installments. I'm Alex Hardy, Nick Ferguson with me, 10-year NFL veteran. Uh, We're doing some football talks. And I think more than anything, Nick, uh, pleasure to be with you, of course. I think more than anything, this week has been unique, not just for myself as a Patriots fan and yourself, Nick, with your presence and exposure to the league and particularly the work you do out in Denver. It's just we've seen such a changing landscape across the National Football League and in college football like we'd never seen. Sure, uh, this past week you have the last of a four-team playoff. You have a national champion that hasn't been there in 27 years. Like, that's all great. Like, what happens inside the lines is a ton of fun, Nick. But clearly, as a fan, what happened outside of it after Jim Harbaugh was drinking that glass of milk out of the, you know, out of the championship <laughs> trophy. We saw Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, and Bill Belichick all going to end up somewhere else. Nick Saban calls it a retirement. Pete Carroll and Belichick may be forced out before they were ready. But before we look ahead to what's coming up and what teams might be interested in those guys, plus some guys you used to play with as well, Nick, that are coaches themselves, I just I'm so fascinated with you know, they're, they're in their early 70s. Just the history that all three of them going out within essentially 24 hours of each other and where they started. So I read this fantastic article in The New Yorker that talked about how these three guys kind of crossed paths and overlapped. And So it's 1979, Nick Ferguson. Put yourself in 1979. I wasn't there. I don't think you were either. But <laughs> no, I wasn't. Pete Carroll is sitting behind a desk at his office as the secondary coach for the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? Yep. He's sitting and listening to the Beach Boys on the radio. That right there, that's called foreshadowing. Moving out west. But before <laughs> that point, he's working on that defense. Ohio State cleans house, and he ends up taking a job as the defensive coordinator for NC State. And who takes over that secondary role in Columbus? It's Nick Saban. We go back five decades to where this story starts. Nick Saban continues on uh, North Carolina State. He takes a job with Navy. He works with the longtime scout Steve Belichick. Steve really takes a liking to him. We've all heard this. He brings Steve home for dinner. Hey, why don't you meet my son Bill? You guys would pretty much... Get along like gangbusters. And what, Nick, I want to point out to you briefly is I don't know any better. I'm, you know, I, I grew up in the millennial generation of football where we have tight end summits and DBU and, and everybody gets together. But Saban and Belichick for about a decade would meet under the cover of darkness. They would trade plays and scheme and Belichick at the time was winning Super Bowls with the Giants. Uh, Nick Saban was on Bum Phillips' staff, I believe, in Houston. Um, they, they, their friendship was more important than these two teams that would face each other every, every so often uh, because of their love and passion for football. I didn't forget about Pete Carroll, though, because Bill Belichick is hired by the Browns in 91. He hires Nick Saban. And as I mentioned, Pete Carroll joins the New York Jets as their head coach. The Jets, being coached by Carroll, started out 6-5 and five in the 94 season. They're leading the Miami Dolphins 24-6 to 
And Carroll gets fired because of this. Dan Marino leads this incredible comeback. Nick, do you know what got Pete Carroll fired? Yeah, I actually do know what got Pete Carroll uh, fired. It was a fantastic game, especially living in Miami, knowing as though everyone in my family are Dolphins fans, including my father, which I think is the biggest Dolphins fan. And he's so uh, much a Dolphin fan, he's still delusional, thinking that there's going to be a Dolphin team that repeats what the 72 Dolphins did. And oh, good. Yeah, which, which, I mean, he's delusional. That's not going to happen. But yet, I digress. But if I remember correctly, Dan Marino fakes spikes, and he throws it to the right side of the field. And Aaron Glenn, I believe, is the corner that got scored on, which is kind of wild. Really? That play remember, reminds me of the first thing I thought about when I was watching the ending of the Saints versus the Falcons game when Jameis Winston felt like, you know what? Jamal Williams hadn't scored all season long. So let me go ahead and get my boy in the end zone. And everyone was so upset. And I'm like, dude, you got to prepare for those particular plays and you can't take it played off. And that was the great part about that Miami Dolphins play, man. And Dan Marino, obviously, icon uh, in Miami. And really quickly, while we're talking about this whole yeah, yeah. Co- coaching thing, and knowing as though Aaron, Aaron uh, Glenn is, was involved with that play, you mentioned That's earlier. Wild. Yeah, you mentioned earlier about both he and D'Amico Ryan's, both guys who were teammates of mine. And with so many coaching changes and knowing as though the league is going into a coaching cycle, mm-hmm. look, D'Amico Ryan's has done one hell of a job down there with C.J. Stroud uh, being a, a head coach because the last time, Alex, a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback actually made it to the playoffs, it was, I, I think, Coach Pagano and Andrew Luck. Right. Which, yeah. which, which makes it so so interesting. But It's really sweet. The, yeah, maybe the success of D'Amico Ryans now gives Aaron Glenn an opportunity because in your backyard, known as though you're a Patriot fan, Gerard Mayo, guess what? He's the new head coach of yeah. the New England Patriots. You know, I had so many feelings about it, and just to put a bow on you know these three luminary coaches, yeah, obviously uh, Carroll gets fired, he takes the New England job, he yep. gets fired, Belichick takes it, and fast forward 24 years later, uh, these teams are now weighing whether or not they take a known commodity. However, do you assume that Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll can take the winning and success that they sustained, again, with elite quarterbacks, with elite talent around them, uh, both uh, some of the great defenses that we remember of all time? Do you replicate that decades later? And you compare that to, like you said, when you play with D'Amico Ryans in Houston, you knew that he was the type of football lifer, not necessarily expecting he would be etching his name into NFL record books, like you mentioned. So for these teams that either have already fired their coach in front office or are in the playoffs and could fall short of their expectations, uh, you're now looking to weigh whether you take a Belichick or Pete Carroll, should they want to continue coaching, and let's be honest, I think they both do, versus taking an opportun- giving someone their first opportunity to be a head coach. There were plenty of success stories, I think, going both ways, but with a number of these teams facing an either-or type of situation, do you have confidence in seeing somebody else's success elsewhere 
or you being the first to take that opportunity on that head coach, Nick? What would you advise well, well, some of these teams? Well, Alex, that all depends. That depends on one important factor. Who's your freaking quarterback, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, for D'Amico Ryans, uh, I mean, who knew that he would strike gold with C.J. Stroud, a guy who was criticized? They didn't have one. At, yeah, when you look at all the coaches who kind of, whether you say they were pushed out or they retired or they fired, Saban, Belichick, Pete Carroll, the one thing that they have is undeniable is the culture. See, mm -hmm. that culture is what translates and has allowed each one of those coaches to find a lot of success. And when you think about Nick Saban, he left college football because of NILs. And Jim Harbaugh, guess what? He's in a prime spot, too, with all the controversy surrounding yeah, him. Yeah, I didn't mention Harbaugh. Yeah. He, he could leave, too, and walk right into the NFL based on what he was able to do at Michigan. Like, going 20-plus years without winning the championship, and you come along, and you are the guy to mm -hmm. put your alma mater on the top of college football, listen, man, there's no better place. But, once again, it goes back to who's your quarterback. If you got a guy at quarterback, then you're good. If you don't have a guy at quarterback, it makes it that difficult for a rookie head coach to come in and be successful. I'm going to look at those jobs, and I'm going to make two columns. I'm going to say your team has Justin Herbert or your team doesn't have a quarterback. You're referencing the L.A. Chargers in terms of quarterback. Yep. I can't think of another head coach opening. And again, that's before the playoff games are being played. I can't think of one where you have that established player with that upside attached as well. I mean, so many of these opportunities come with them. Hey, the Washington Commanders job, just like the Texans a year ago was appealing because they're picking second overall. That's, that's part of the equation that you talk yourself into what's out there. And I think for a, uh, you know, for one of those veteran guys, or if it's Jim Harbaugh, who's ready to face the music in Michigan, or frankly, you take the cheating stuff out of it because he is a cheater. Nick, there's, there's whoa, no whoa, denying whoa, wait, it. Wait, 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 hold on now. I mean, for you being a Patriot fan, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black because uh, everyone knows about the Patriots and what they've been accused you of? You know, there, there's a common, there's always a misconception about those Patriots, Nick. Oh, like we're talking about, you know, you, yeah, you're, you're, your Jets are feeling offended because they ignored a memo that was put into place six months ago that, you know, they, they were late to move the cameras. You know, they, they yeah, missed the memo. Yeah. yeah. You know, listen, Deflategate happened again this past season, Nick. The you know the Chiefs and Patriots game was completely marred by underinflated football. Like it never happened. We're talking about two completely different scenarios. So Jim Harbaugh, you take the cheating out of it because he's a cheater. But you take that out of it, and you, you he's 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 reached the mountaintop. He's won the national championship with his alma mater. What else there? What else does he have to prove there? Wait, At this so, point, like. So if we're going to say that about Jim Harbaugh, right? So we're going to put an asterisk by what Michigan just accomplished. No, no, I'm not going to go that far. No, no, okay, no. Okay, so, no. so, so what are you going to do? What are you actually saying? Because, I mean, a cheat is a cheat is a cheat. Because playing in the league, the idea is that if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So everyone has been a kind of, uh, I guess you could say, victimized by the same concept because mm -hmm. the Atlanta Falcons – the rule said that you can't pipe artificial noise into That's your stadium. A couple of years ago, guess what they did? That very same thing. So yeah. there are a lot of people out here, let's just say, not cheating, Alex. Let's just say trying to find the winning edge. Let's call it that. 
Exactly. You have to beg for forgiveness instead of asking for permission. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's just, it's a really unique um, opportunity to get one of those, um, you know, we'll call, I keep calling them established, you know, they've got the, the long resumes. Of course, you've got guys dipping back decades and decades and a Jim Harbaugh that was successful in San Francisco. Um, I, I guess... I want to give you a platform and an opportunity that because playing in the NFL for as long as you did, you come across a number of players that move on in their lives and they are successful in media such as yourselves. They're successful um, in whatever phase, you know, in and, in and outside of the National Football League. But you were excited to mention Aaron Glenn, even though you talked about him getting smoked on that uh on that fake well, spike, well, listen, but I, I, I just, really I, I just want to move way. it forward to understanding, <laughs> you know, the opportunity presented in front of them because you can take a, a, a Lions team that was known for a bad running game and a bad defense for decades, and they've accomplished both. And your guy, Aaron Glenn, could be, you know, he's got four or five head coaching opportunities. What, what would you like to see for him, just in terms of having, you know? that that shot to sit in front of ownership and front offices just as a former player a minority head coaching candidate the significance of it for someone that you you know played alongside in the secondary with those Houston Texans so not that long I'm sorry not that long ago well listen I'll, I'll say this uh for one I did not uh, describe the play as though you so eloquently made it appear as though I described it but uh Aaron has been in a situation before. He was interviewed for the Broncos head coaching job a couple of years ago. He's a very and you're close uh, with the Broncos now. I should point out for our listeners, very close. Yes, yes. Still in the Denver area. Still in the Denver area, and uh, for him, it, it, he's learned under so many people. Being a Bill Parcells guy, he's coached with Sean Payton, picked up on a lot of those things. And just kind of being around Dan Campbell himself and looking at mm. what's happened and taking place with the Detroit Lions over the past couple of years. I mean, we hear about teams going from worst to first, but that was one of those organizations that we never heard of them hosting a home playoff game, and now they're doing that. So there's something to be said for that. And I think Aaron has earned, notice I didn't say deserve, he's mm -hmm. earned the right to be a head coach in this league. And for me, being a former player, knowing as though I've, I've had my experience with coaching, I think more former players have earned that opportunity. Now, not I'll say this, not every person who's a former player can actually play. But if things go according to plan, we could see a D'Amico Ryan's former player, an Aaron Glenn former player, Gerard mm -hmm. Mayo former player, Antonio yeah. Pierce, a former player now leading organizations in the NFL. So I, for one, would like to see it, call it a little biased because I know him, but I think it would be great for the league and great for the fans. Is that something you recognize when you're playing with him, that he has an aptitude for this? Or more often than not, you're just completely caught off guard that it's been a couple of years since you keep in touch with the guy and, oh, look, I, see, I saw him on the sidelines, like watching on TV. Well, no, I mean, when Aaron was going through a lot of uh, the coaching interviews uh, last year, uh, we actually talked, you know, because I wanted to know what that process is like, what kind of questions is it that they ask, and just, just his demeanor, man. When we were playing, you know, I never really thought of Aaron moving in this position, 
But now over the years, watching him kind of step by step, understanding defense, offense, and the way that he's worked with the guys that he is coaching, yeah, I think it would be a great opportunity uh, for him. And knowing as though he's coaching right now in Detroit with another teammate who played in the secondary with me here in Denver, and that's Dre Block. So yeah. once again, that this it's a maturation process that you see a lot of guys go through, and I'm excited to see uh, what's going to happen during this hiring cycle. So I want to wrap things up with a piece that we're going to do at the end of every episode. It's called Nick Before We Split. I just I'm going to ask you something uh, from your playing days just to share with our listening audience and viewing audience on YouTube. Just a little piece, just cracking a little layer off of uh, this, this Nick Ferguson iceberg. But we're not going to sink to finish things here. So <laughs> in reference to these coaching changes that we're expecting for already, you know, uh, what could be a quarter, a third of the league, you were with the New York Jets when you went through a coaching change. You were with the Houston Texans going through a coaching change. When you're a player under contract, what is the type of, not necessarily emotion, but just the sentiment by yourself with your, uh, with your position group, with the, with the locker room in general, when you don't necessarily know what's coming next? Or it's all happening in the offseason. You don't really think about it. You just show up to work uh, once training camp hits. Well, I wish it was that easy, Alex, but it's not because it's just like a new CEO taking over a company. You don't know who's going to survive the purge. And you're looking around and say, okay, well, what kind of system is that guy bringing in? What other coaches will he bring in as well? Am I a good fit with that coach, That the scheme? So there's so many things that run through your head. And even though you have a contract, let's be totally honest. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a contract because mm. we've seen teams go back to the table and try to renegotiate. We've even seen teams try to take money from players. So there's no such thing as a contract, even though you think, well, that's pen, put the paper. So that means there's something in writing that's a binding agreement. No, 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 no. That's not how it works in the NFL. So when a new coach comes in, there's a certain sense of anxiety that you go through as you look at your former your teammates and say, well, mm -hmm. which one of these guys are going to be here? But then you look around and you talk to your family like, well, I'm not even sure that I'm going to be here as well. I'm smiling not because of players' contracts getting ripped up, but I know <laughs> coming soon here on this pod, we're definitely going to be breaking down that Russell Wilson scenario in Denver. I know you have oh, a lot sorry. of expertise and insight on it with uh, your guy Russ and your guy Sean Payton, but that was Nick. Now it's time to split. Again, Nick Ferguson, 10 years in the National Football League. You can find him at Nick Ferguson underscore 25 on most of your social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. He's got content out all the time. He's grinding tapes, so keep it locked with Nick throughout the NFL playoffs. I'm Alex Hardy. I'm here to get us from point A to point B. Uh, please like, rate, subscribe for our podcast. We're coming to you multiple times a week. Uh, just excited to talk football, college, NFL, and the football of life, um, it, it's just a lot that I'm looking forward to. This was, you know, a decade in the making, Nick. I've known you for such a long time, and this is long overdue. So I'm thrilled that for our sake, uh, you, our listeners, our viewing audience, are bringing the two of us together. We're excited for so much more. Appreciate you, Nick.
Let's go! Yeah!